You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Yes, we are back here at Keith Price's Curtain Call. And it is another fabulous, fabulous day to talk about the theater and talk about people who do the theater, working in the theater. And the season, y'all, has started so far. There are three shows that have just opened in the last few weeks here on Broadway. We have, what, Head Over Heels that just opened a couple of weeks ago. We have Pretty Woman that also opened as well. And in the middle of those two shows is a little show that's getting their, um, I guess they're getting their fun party swerve on. <laughs> I, I liken it more to like a school of rock for people that are of a certain age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with, with real man people dramas and stuff. But at the same time, it's that same love of the music and all that other jazz. In the wonderful show called Getting the Band Back Together. And right now... I'm talking to the villain. Yes, the bad guy. The bad guy who always, you know what? How they do me with these bad guys, y'all. First of all, they be looking all good and stuff, and then they be talking all kinds of crazy stuff. Then you find out that the person that actually plays the bad guy is this really hilarious person. On top of everything else. Oh, you're so kind, so ladies kind. and gentlemen. I present to you, Mr. Brandon Williams, who is making his Broadway debut. Yes, it is in yeah. getting the band back together mm-hmm. with a notable name that I. I dare say, I don't know if she will remember meeting me, but Miss Mary Lou Henner is a part of that show as well. She's yes. a big name, so you get to... I, b- I bet she would remember meeting you. <laughs> I know, right? A, she has a crazy thing. memory thing. I, yeah, no, but I'm so afraid to ever ask her because I don't want her to be like, oh, you know, you're the one. <laughs> you're the one I don't remember. <laughs> so, Brandon, tell me everything about you in the next however much time that we have together because you are a comedian, yes. first and foremost, which mm-hmm. is why now... I recognized immediately why I related to you when I saw you on stage, as well as <laughs> just spending. Okay, y'all, first of all, you must go online and look for Stay at Home Dad Sacked. Is that it? Yes. Yeah, yeah or dad. just the Stay at Home Dad. Stay at Home Dad. 30 episodes, actually. And they're perfect because they're these, <laughs> these little bitty episodes, three, five minutes at the most, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, of. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for me. Of social awkwardness. Absolute social awkwardness that yes. Brandon does. And his character in this piece, Getting the Band Back Together, is a, a tad bit socially awkward, I would say, as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's mostly all I play is uh, <laughs> some, ty- some derivation of – are you allowed to curse? You can swear on yeah, your Yeah, no, my wife says I just play different flavors of assholes, <laughs> whether it's a dumb asshole or a rich asshole or a – you know what? A redneck asshole or a... Does the check clear? <laughs> or a New York asshole. Yeah. But does the check clear? That's the yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it does. Uh, fabulous. And it keeps you working. Yeah. I mean, it, that's kind of, you know, I've, I did stand up for 20 years and something I learned within doing that is that, you you know, you you find your persona, like a well-defined who you are. Exactly. What your voice. Is it yes. You? Yeah. And um, kind of my, my shtick, I guess, is... Seeing seeing the world through the eyes of just me, you know. <laughs> so, well, this is what we're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, well, That's how it's to some to extent. Work. Well, you know, some people would argue you should you should always look for other people's feelings, but but why? No, no, that's not funny. No, <laughs> that's where the funny comes. So it's funny you talk about the stay at home dad. That kind of came about in in a strange way. It was, um, I was doing stand up all the time at 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 night. I was probably doing twenty. 25 sets a week, mm-hmm. just hopping from yeah. club to club in the city, grinding it out. And then during the day, 
I had just, I had two children at the times, and we lived in Battery Park City, so I was in the ultra PC world of the Tribeca moms and dads, mm. right? And of course, because I did stand up at night, I'm the one taking care of the kids during the day. And so at night, I had to not edit myself ever, right. especially if I'm hosting a show. You just kind of, whatever someone says, you go with it mm-hmm. and you find the funny, which is usually somewhat shocking. Right. And then during the day, all I had to do was edit and edit myself <laughs> and not say what I was actually thinking. And so then I thought, what if there was a guy who was incapable of editing his inner monologue? And thus, that's where the stay-at-home dad oh, was born. I actually was, it was originally called the socially awkward dad, but then we kind of branded it to mm-hmm. – because it was happening at a time when the financial downturn was happening right? Um, in the mid-2000s. And so there were a lot of dads who were all of a sudden Working. thrust into the world of stay-at-home dads. So it just kind of fit that. perfectly. So do you have kids yourself? I have five children. Jesus Christ, I'm man. a breeder. Yes. Yeah, in the the best sense of the word. Huh? All the so, same mom, too, which is shocking. But yes, five children. <laughs> five children, one baby mama. Yeah, Not bad. One baby mama. You're holding yeah. on. That's mm-hmm. good. That's very rare, it seems, today, yeah. all of the kids. Five boys, one girl. Wow. Yeah. Why, what's the age range? 10, 9, 8. Okay. Almost five. She'll be five in October. And then one and a half. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Well, at least you gave yourself. A good ten years of being married and scandalous, so, yeah. so that you could, yeah, like staying at home when someone says, "Hey, we want to go out and do the thing." You're like, "Yeah, I'm all right." Yeah, I can't, I can't do can't it. Can't do it. Got to be home with the kids. Wow. So, how is that? You know, you you come out of the world of stand up, mm-hmm. which is the world actually, I'm you know, I've, I've been an actor the whole time. Stand-up right. Well, was, we're all actors. Yeah. Right. Mix. Right. Like you know, I came out of Carnegie Mellon, studied theater, musical okay. theater, and I got my equity card on a Broadway national tour. And I, I'd come so Blood close, Wait, Blood, no. Blood Brothers, yeah, yeah. with uh, David Cassidy, rest in peace, um, and Petula Clark, who was just on Good right. Morning this week. Um, and I did theater, you know, worked you know regionally everywhere, and come so close to so many Broadway shows, original right. shows, you know, and and actually on two separate occasions, even I had the name on the billboard outside on the theater, and it just crashed and burned out of town, out of town. I did the the infamous Lone Star Love with uh, uh, Randy Quaid, yep. um, and which was incidentally going into the Belasco, which is where getting the band back together. So I kind of feel like I've broken the Belasco curse for myself. Wow! Although, or, although or... maybe not, <laughs> I've just perpetuated the curse. <laughs> we'll talk about other things other than that because one of the things that I need to say to you, and I would, I hope you will pass this on to the rest of your cast, uh-huh. and that is. I have these last few months, especially when I've been talking to folks from theater and having these conversations about what's on Broadway and what's happening on Broadway. And you right. have the existential conversations with people who don't understand why this particular piece is not being seen or looked at in this certain way. Right, right. And I I had to say to this person, it's like because the people that would want to come and see things in theater in that certain way – don't always come to the theater all the time. And that number is very right. small. And that right. demographic is shifting. And people are coming to see things that they want to see that are going to do something, give them something, inspire them, make them just feel great. No one has to spend a whole day having an existential thing. Do right. not get me wrong, because I angels in America from 1 until 11 p.m. Sure. No, but I that's me. Right. I'm, th- I'm that person. Right. But there's the majority of the folks that can... A, afford to go to the theater and be a part of the theater are not necessarily 
going to rush out to see Angels in America. Right. No, it's I mean you that's it's saying? quite a commitment. I mean and 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 a good commitment. It's a great commitment if yeah. you are a super duper hardcore theater lover. Look. However, yeah. your show along with a couple of other shows this this that are kind of left over from the last season to me are a part of that wave of just bringing simple joy to Broadway, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be things. And what's also great is that you're also in an original musical. Right. Which is something that's kind of not feeling like the norm. And the things that are original are not necessarily getting the kind of spotlight. And I think that that's something that people need to make a note of. Yeah, and, and to that point, I mean, look, sometimes I want to sit down and, and watch Schindler's List because you want to watch it, and sometimes I want to watch a Will Ferrell movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what that's what I, I describe this show as a Will Ferrell it's the movie Will with Ferrell songs. Movie. With songs. <laughs> and you know what? And like I said, as jaded as some people want to be about the theater experience, in you know, and I, I would say what's in writing has been not necessarily the kindest. The, the, the bottom ultimate line is is that you're you you guys it's a, a stage full of talented people working yeah and yeah. you know the first and foremost thing most folks need to remember is that you know when certain people write reviews and have their moments and and show what they want to say and speak the way that they choose to speak in print um to show that they love like dislike whatever the bottom line ultimately is is that you're cutting off your nose to spite your face because eventually you're not going to have anything to write about if you keep slapping and slashing and cutting and and having your your moments of deep pontification in your expression right. like when you go through that process you're going to wind up screwing people out so Brandon is in the show that I'm encouraging everybody to go see just because I want everybody to see everything you know, I, I, and I will say, of all the shows I've ever done, and I've been doing this for 26 years, I've never done a show where the audience was more engaged during it and along for the ride. Exactly. To, to the point where at the end, you know, when I come on stage, I literally, in my Broadway debut, get booed eight times a week, which is, is quite a <laughs> shocking thing. I was like, really? This is, this is my Broadway debut. Booze. <laughs> I mean, it's and and, and they you know cheer what? and they boo and they and they hiss. I mean, I've had and I've walked off stage. You, you someone yelled, full of... "Fuck you!" to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but you "Wow!" <laughs> you you. But you're getting a response. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's all about audience engagement. And they feel like they're a part of the show. And you know something I really learned once we started getting an audience is that the most important character in this show is the audience. Absolutely. I mean, they they you know we break the fourth wall so many times and use them to to um, move the plot forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's key. And, you know, I haven't seen anyone except the critics leave with a smile on their face. Exactly. Well, you know what? <laughs> Actually, they had a devilish grin on they their face. They had a face. devilish like, grin. I'm going to kill you. But, like, you know, again, like I always say to those folks, is like, y'all better be careful with those pins mm -hmm. that way because you're going to wind up cutting yourself out of an industry. Well, they were very nice to me. So that's... Oh, well, yeah. And I'm just, we don't hate them. We, we, well, just those few. But still, yeah. I, but I feel like, you know, you get to bring that. So what is it like getting to play the bad guy, though, isn't it? Is, are you having as much fun as it seems? Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, every night. It's um, <laughs> it's it's interesting to see the crowd. You know, one of the hard things about playing a bad guy is you don't want to make him so bad that the audience are just like, "Ugh, there's exactly. that guy again." You have to look. Look, I don't think that any villain thinks of themselves as a villain. Of course not. So I go about thinking that I'm the hero of this piece, mm -hmm. and. And uh, I think that that's why the audience does kind of come with me. They're safe yeah. with boo. I mean, if they really hated me, they wouldn't boo me. They just, mm, you know, there's yeah. that guy. 
but they love to it, boo. It's funny. You know, you're <laughs> the other person who I know who I I've witnessed get the boo at the, the especially at the um at the curtain call. Oh God, at the curtain it's call. It's the best part, but it's because the character that he played was so damn dastardly. Right. Philip Boykin when he was doing um uh Porgy and Bess. Oh, right. He played that despicable, despicable man. I right. mean, he was despicable. Right. And when he came out for his thing, everybody, boo! And he's just like, oh. And everyone's like, yay! Yeah, like they cheer. But, but yeah. it's because what you brought felt very real. Oh, So right. th- I, I would hope that, if anything else, you know that you're, you're connecting in a way that people are giving you a verbal, visceral response. Oh, no, yeah. No, I love it. And, and, and it's also, you know, the... Um, what what I feel that they they feel sorry for you in the end. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, he's this way because he didn't get enough love from you know his parents. He never or, had enough love in his yeah, childhood. Yeah, he's just it's all a cover for his insecurity, which <laughs> is somewhat true. It's somewhat true. <laughs> I love it. So, as a comedian, though, now that you finally got this Broadway stage moment, how hard is it for you <laughs> to forget? Or to not forget that you're acting versus being that comedian. Because I'm telling you, there are moments in your 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 character's progression when there's a lot of funny things that are being said. And you hold the best straight face. <laughs> not always. Not always. But, but it was like there was – I remember there was a moment where I, I felt like I could see you all breaking. Because yeah, yeah. the line was just so ridiculous. And I felt like it was just because you never know how that one's going to land. Yeah. And the way it landed, it left the audience like disjointed and laughing and then pulling it. Are we supposed to laugh or just, oh, but uh, all right. Well, hopefully they're going to move on and you guys yeah. just kind of wait and watch them. Yeah. Kind of yeah. fuck with them. I love that. You know, John Rando is really awesome for directing because one thing that he allows the actors to do in, in this piece, and I'm, I'm not going to say he does it in every piece, but mm-hmm. he kind of challenges us to, to, to make the other actors laugh. You know, mm. because that's just kind of the world this is. This yeah. is. It's kind of a Carol Burnett, you know, exactly kind of world. And and you know, there are there are a few places where even the writer, uh, the writers have allowed me to mix it up. You know, if I Good. feel something that I want to say um, between my sidekick and I, Richie, well, right before we're about to go on stage, I'm like, hey, I'm going to try something new tonight. He's like, do it, do it. The best, and we do. But <laughs> we you know do. what, though, until I stage think... manager says, stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I hope they're I not think, listening. <laughs> but I think that I I love it because it's that is that one thing that I always think about as a, a a comedian that if I ever got the chance to do a Broadway show I'd be so worried about constantly because it's like those words A are not yours yeah and never B, be as good as mine <laughs> let's see and B <laughs> it's like you have to you got to deliver that world's universe's dialogue you have yeah. to do it that way yeah. and so. Any chance that you can as a comic, like I know like Jackie Hoffman is another one that's like famous for having these great moments when, you know, it's like, oh, can we just, let me just give him one little angle. Let's just give me an angle. And right. that changes the whole dynamic of whatever the joke is. Yeah, of course. So you get to enjoy that as a, co- a comedian. So for you now, you have, you started off doing comedy. Like, so where were the places that you were? Because you, you tell me 20 years ago, you've been doing comedy for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have put you in the period of where I was doing a lot of hosting and doing a lot of shows and I was mm-hmm. booking producers. How in the hell did I not ever run into you? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it's a small world. It's extremely small. You and, know, when I first started i was just doing open mics like you do mm-hmm. when you first start out um and then um i started working 
doing bringer shows, which are awful. Absolutely. Because you run out of friends real quick because it costs real, real quick. $50. $50 a person, two drink minimum. Yeah. And that's the same five minutes they heard you do at the last club that they went to. Yeah. Yep. But one, one fortunate <laughs> thing is my brother gave me a car like in 2000. Mm-hmm. And when you have a car, you're able to drive other comedians to out-of-town shows. Exactly. And so I had this car, which was a 1989 Chevrolet Corsica with 200,000 miles on it. And so I would drive these better comedians, or at least more seasoned, mm-hmm. to Bananas Comedy Clubs or any time out-of-town gig. Mm-hmm. And I would be the opener. And then um, so from that, I just started getting more gigs. And um, e- even I would start, do, you know, you people hand out the flyers in Times Square. Yep. And um, I got hooked up with one club, and this is where, and you know, where I got the most stage time. They would do eight shows a night, and you had to bark for ten minutes. They had two rooms, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm sorry, you had to bark for an hour to get ten minutes. So I would Oof. bark for an hour, uh-huh. go do a ten minute set, go back out and bark for another hour, and get another ten minute set. But I was able to start getting eight shows, and within three months, the owner of the club came to me and said. My, you don't need to be barking anymore. You're crushing more than the guys I'm paying. Wow. And then I started headlining. And so then I would do get to a 20-minute set, and I would do eight 20-minute sets a night. Wow. And the amount of time that you get, you grow. Because yeah. stage time is what... It's what makes you better. What makes you better, just being in front of a crowd and doing that. So I was getting eight shows a night, seven nights a week. So you do Damn. the math. I was doing more sets in a, in a week wow. than most comedians are doing in a year. Wow. And so from there, I started doing the road. I already had an hour built up. So I would go, you know, go down to West uh, Virginia Beach, back up, go do, you know, hour sets. And then about once I was doing that, my wife had our third kid. Mm-hmm. And she, my, first of all, my wife was the best. She would bring me hot thing. chocolate she, when I was thir- barking. The third you know. kid while you, wait, yeah, hold, while I was hold, still hold, doing hold, hold, this. But wow. I, I, I also I started working more in commercials and voiceovers, and I was you know I was making a living, okay. and so I was able to have the children. But then after the third kid came, my wife said very sweetly, "You know maybe you shouldn't come home every night at three a.m. with a few cocktails in you." <laughs> I was like, "All right, I got it." Ooh, and then I, I, you know, from then I started hosting. I was hosting a television show, a travel show, and mm-hmm. and um, working a lot more. And so I, I stopped doing. As much late night comedy, right? Yeah, you miss it. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think I miss the uh, the crowds, you know, and the the feeling of control. Look, I, what, when anyone tells you about comedy, it's it's more of a a control thing. I'm a yeah. super control freak, and if I can go control 300 people in in a room <laughs> to laugh at my beck and call, <laughs> you know what it is. I, I look at it as that's the one time I feel like in my life I truly have a lot of control. Oh yeah, of like course. doing this, I have a lot of control. You yeah, know? people always say, "I can't believe you do that." I, I, I'd be so terrified. I was like, "Well, not me. If I want to fly, if I'm going to fly, I'm driving the damn plane." <laughs> exactly. You know, it's so funny because it makes me think. I did a gig a couple of weeks ago, and I just had this. It had been a long time since I've been on the stage, and I remember just getting on that stage because I was furious, and I was already having one of those like fuel injected evenings before I could actually get to the damn thing. And by the time I got there, the things that came out of my mouth, I was kind of <laughs> like. Get me. I was like, why am I not doing an hour on Netflix? Well, you know, what happened to my work? My shit is fly yeah. right now. And but but I also know that there there was a part of me that just felt very um uh 
uh, I guess, comedically constipated. So I, when I finally got the moment to just talk about the things that have been bubbling for weeks and months and months and weeks, it was just like, what a relief, what a catharsis. Right. And, yeah. you know, but it's it's a different kind of catharsis doing eight shows a week, isn't it? Um. Yeah. But there's a I mean, catharsis it's... there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's just as enjoyable. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. But what's different than this than comedy is I get to work with so many funny people and and the, and the amazing people and yeah and the and the and the vision of the comedy is is pulled off with as a group effort, which is which is so much fun. Well, you know what I appreciate, and I know this is going to sound like the the pseudo naiveness and pseudo naivete, but like many of the faces on the stage I was not familiar with, mm-hmm. and so that helped me immensely getting into watching the show and enjoying the show for what you were able to present. You know, like if I know too many people on the stage, I'll look over, right. I, I could see like, oh, she's doing that thing she always be doing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where right. I got to just enjoy you guys being together doing your art. I mean, yes, I know who Mary yeah. Lou Henner is. Yes, I've met her and talked to her and have all these kinds of experiences with her. But even in that context, I didn't see her as Mary Lou Henner. Sure. It, well, for the first couple of minutes. But then I Right. When everyone applauded. It's yeah. Mary Lou Henner. It's Mary Lou Henner. <laughs> It's Nardo, and so yeah, no, look, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very talented group of comedic actors who've all yeah. done you know numerous Broadway exactly. shows and numerous you know television shows, and and uh, and and it's funny we we all know each other from the world of acting. Look, I, right. I, I'll be the first to admit I'm a blue collar actor, man. I make, yeah, I make I'm the voice of National Geographic Wild. You know, I do tons of commercials. I'm a commercial director, yeah. um, and. And that's what these guys are. These are the working actors in New York City, and we get a chance to do this, you yeah. know, funny Broadway show. So there's a little more glamour involved, you know, <laughs> to your life. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm the plumber of actors. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my my goal is to always be the sassy gay upstairs neighbor or <laughs> angry police chief that's ready to retire. That's, there you go. I'm, I'm, Those I'm are your go tos. If I have a, an opportunity for when they say Keith, I need you to give me that for right. Me. Those are my first places. Yeah, I could do both of those if they were assholes. As long as, as long as it's a kind of asshole, I'd love to play the sassy gay neighbor upstairs asshole. <laughs> wow. Let me tell you something. We would love for you to play sassy gay anything. That's that, uh, yeah. I said it. Yes. Yeah. Because I know Lisa's listening. <laughs> She's like, she knows that the possibility of me being inappropriate is very high. With, Please be with these me. These me men that she keeps sending over to me. Anyway, so you, my friend, you are um, you're kind of having a good life right now. Yeah, yeah. It's always been pretty good. Got to tell you. What do the kids say? Are are, are your kids giving you um, any signs that they may have the bug? Yeah, no, definitely. I have uh, two kids that are that are really into it and want to do it, and they've both been in commercials, commercials that I've directed. Um, yeah, get Earn in your there. keep, kids. Free, free labor. <laughs> Earn your food. Earn your food. But I, it's so funny. They, I, I took the oldest four. Obviously, I didn't bring the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't take them. My wife sat with them in the mezzanine far back so they couldn't say, hey, dad, you yeah, know, in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So the older two were just in awe because they'd never seen, you know, I'm just their old man. They didn't yeah. see me as like a rock, a golden rock, rock god. Star. Right. So they were just like, whoa, I didn't know you had the moves, dad. <laughs> But my my seven year my eight year old boy, I hadn't seen him. He saw the show on like a a Thursday night, and of course I had night shows and then you know a five show weekend. So I saw him put him to bed on uh, um, the following Wednesday night because that's our night off. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey Jake, so what'd you what'd you think of the show? And he said, uh, 
I had three problems with it, Dad. I was like, Work. oh, okay. Right. What are these problems? He goes, first of all, it's too loud. I was like, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a rock musical. He goes, okay, okay. Too bright. He's like, the lights were just blinding. I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll talk to them about that. He goes, number three, I was sitting behind this bald guy. I couldn't see a thing. He goes, I came to see a show, not a grandpa haircut. <laughs> I was like, oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's become a, a new saying in our house, grandpa haircut. Grandpa haircut. <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, you are far from giving a grandpa a look. That's a good thing. <laughs> so this is great. So now you, um, you have this really wonderful moment, this wonderful nugget of, of something that keeps you kind of tethered to mm-hmm. the city. And you have your family that's also keeping you kind of together. What are the things, you know, are you able to try to get done now for yourself creatively? Um, well, still- you know, I told you that I, I you know, I do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. And um, probably about seven or eight years ago, I started getting involved in copywriting in the ad agency world. I mean, I come from the world of writing my own stand-up comedy. And um, the first thing I wrote, and like, it was in 2007 or eight, was for... Um, this uh, manscaping device where you shave your chest and your nether regions. <laughs> and uh, I wrote this little jingle for it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I actually I auditioned for the lead, to be the spokesman. I didn't get it, but they mm-hmm. bought my song. And so that was kind of my foray into working in, in the ad agency world. So I came in and wrote some of the copy with them. And, and from that campaign, it won, you know, like the gold cyber lion. And it yeah. won the ad campaign of the year. And it won an Effie. And, and um, from that, I started writing for more commercials at agency work, doing freelance copywriting. And then I started directing. And kind of that's that's my real day job these mm-hmm. days is I direct commercials for products like IBM. And, and we have a bunch of new products coming out in the infomercial world. We have the new um, – you, you've heard of the Snuggie, right? Yeah. We got the follow-up coming up that I directed. And we wrote the spot as well, my directing partner, Dave Bradley, and I, um, called Cozy John's Sweatpants with Feet. <laughs> fleece lined feet and they are cozy and, and actually one ca- a cast member is uh is are my spokesman so it's uh oh my. so that's kind of my uh, that's my fallback is i'll just be a commercial director you know so the question though is <laughs> do they have to size it for your feet as well we got extra large large and no no they're stretchy <laughs> come on sweatpants material <laughs> Sweatpants. I just make the creative, buddy. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not part of product, product design. <laughs> <laughs> I just make it funny, man. <laughs> wow. Well, then, shit. Let me put my picture for some sassy commercials when you need a, a real go. sassy spokesperson. That's I right. I'll use you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So again, I'm gonna have to let him go because he's he's got a show. This is how you catch these Broadway actors in between their their moments. But Brandon, this is great. I'm, I'm trying to think of what would be the the final wrap up question of making me get to know you a little bit better. It's like you're married, you got kids, you're working man, you're working actor, you're you're doing everything. I guess technically, yeah. right when it comes to this business, what are you gonna do? I'll show you this. This was. So you know I'm shirtless in this, I, <laughs> in this show. Stop doing that to me. I'm just telling you. Why that do you do that to me? I just want to show you <laughs> the transformation <laughs> it took. I'll tell you one story. My Jake, once again, my funny mm-hmm. son, I was shaving in the mirror about two years ago. He was like six years old. And uh, he said, Dad, 
you are the perfect man. I was like, oh, that's that's so sweet. Aw. And I said, I said, why do you say that? He says, he says, you got the shoulders and upper body of the Hulk, and the stomach of Santa Claus. <laughs> and to a six-year-old boy, that is true perfection. So at that point, I said, ah, I should probably stop eating so many donuts. So I, let's see to find this picture. Oh, here we go. So I did. So for the last, since I, I got the offer, or I knew that I was going to be doing this about nine months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tipping the scales around 216. Because I was going to say. And now I'm 158 from that to that. Wow. In uh, about nine months. And all healthy. Wow. No no diet pills, nothing. Just good genes, you know, good metabolism. Dedication. No, no Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Man, but again, the character actor work you were getting during this period was amazing. <laughs> Straight to the moon. Right to the moon, Alice, <laughs> to the moon. They did a musical of that. I just saw I know. Too. I could have played it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, y'all, again, do yourselves, give yourself a treat, honey. Go look up <laughs> Go look up Brandon Stacey Williams online, honey. I, You know, I have to be professional, but it's, you are up to do what you need to do for you. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hard but, work and dedication. Yes, it is. No donuts. No me. donuts. And we appreciate that. So you can throw the donuts at me without there a shirt on, and it works out for everybody. <laughs> so so Brandon, as I said before, can be seen eight shows a week over at the Belasco Theater in getting the band together. Getting, getting the, the band back, back together. together, yeah. And if you want to be offended, go to the thestayathomedad.tv <laughs> for socially please, awkward moments. Please. Do yourself a favor and lock yourself in a small room so that you can laugh as loud as you need to do, which is what did, I don't know if you heard me laughing when I, I was did. There, there was, did. yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so many moments of just, I cannot believe this man just said that yeah. to this, this woman, this black person, this what he just, oh my <laughs> no one's God, safe. no one is safe, no race, no, uh, Sexual orientation. <laughs> no, no one is safe the from the stay-at-home dad. <laughs> got your ass kicked at the hockey Totally. Game. <laughs> oh my God! See, this is what I'm saying. So I, I am. I want you all to come and to, if you come to New York City to celebrate uh, getting the band back together with my now new friend Brandon Williams, who is a fellow comedian. So I can talk to him as you know. We're, we understand the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> But again, he's in this fantastic, fantastic new musical that just opened on Broadway and one of the three new musicals so far that have opened this season. And so this is the time now if you're making your plans to come to New York City during the fall and and, and later into the winter to look for shows to do your show runs, think about putting something like this on your, your list to come. Because again, like I said, first of all, you ain't going to get Hamilton, so stop. Secondly, <laughs> just cut it out. Just cut. It's now, what, four years later, you still can't get it? Surprise. Um, but at the same time, please don't discount everything else that you see. And don't let what people are telling you if you're reading things, because I, I feel like in the end, you should allow yourself to experience and don't let them, t- don't let them, t- don't let them dissuade you from something, especially because you know, there's very little new that's happening in the world of theater and very little new. So when it comes, you have to at least take it in. It's all fake news. Fake news. It's all fake news. <laughs> <laughs> read Only read Entertainment Weekly and Variety. Those are the only ones, the only ones to that trust. Matter. <laughs> <laughs> and Hollywood Reporter. They're yes, very nice, Yes, too. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Brandon, thank you. Thank you so much, Brandon. This nice to meet cool. you, man. And we will be back. <laughs> 
Look for Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now Mixcloud.